Relationships drive everything that we do. Relationships with our clients, relationships with media, relationships with influencers. We are only as good as the real and genuine relationships that we can develop in this industry. And that really drives everything that we do. Welcome back to Influencer Business, the playground for brands and creators. I'm your host, Austin Munhofen. It is great to have you here. We hope you're well. And I sure as heck hope you've enjoyed this season so far. We're almost halfway through season five. Can you believe it? Let's let's take a step back and review our guest list, shall we? Like, it's a good time to do that. We've talked with, let's see, content creators, product-based businesses, a social media strategy expert, and a director of influencer and brand partnerships at a major affiliate company. Now, today, we're sitting down with a PR agency partner. Jackie Thompson, that's right, a partner at LeapFrog PR, joins us to talk about what exactly a PR agency can do for brands and the value they bring to that partnership. And also what it's like to work with a PR agency like LeapFrog. This episode is going to be so good. Warning, warning, warning. Jackie is amazing. I don't want to spoil her story. She'll share more in this episode. But I will say that her wide-ranging interests in lifestyle brands drives LeapFrog's expertise in the areas of fashion and interiors, retail and wellness. Jackie promotes both established brands and new talent. And through her wide network, she organizes amazing events that connect entrepreneurs, influencers, and designers all around the U.S. She is amazing. Beyond the realm of traditional PR, she also enjoys honing brand strategy, creating content for owned media, and direct market positioning with long-term clients. A lot of great stuff to unpack here. A lot of fabulous expertise and insights she brings to this conversation for sure. But before we dig in more, I want to tell you about our season sponsor, CJ. CJ is the affiliate network of choice for influencers and content creators. You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Whether you're looking to earn long-term residual income from your favorite brands or you want more opportunities for sponsored content, CJ offers an easy-to-use supportive solution with the tools and dedicated experts that help set you up for lasting success. I have personal experience with CJ, and one of the best parts about CJ is all the data that you have at your fingertips to help you plan and optimize your content based on what's performing, which is so important. And you actually have access to the same data as the brands, which ultimately leads to better decisions and even stronger partnerships for everyone involved. So highly encourage you to head over to cj.com slash trove to learn more. All right, without further ado, let's welcome Jackie to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here on the Trove Influencer Business Podcast, Jackie. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm such a big fan of the podcast. So this is an honor. This is great. I am looking forward to digging in more to what exactly a PR agency can do for brands and the value they bring to that partnership. I know you um, own a PR agency. I am so excited to dig in and talk more about LeapFrog and what it's what it's like to work with an agency like LeapFrog and just inspiration from a successful female entrepreneur. Um, but before we like really, really dig into that, I always love to start with backgrounds because I think that there's so much richness and and that's where the story starts, right? Is with someone's right. background. So 
You tell me a little bit more about, we were just talking about where you were from and how what you mm-hmm. went to college in Charleston. Yes. And tell me a little bit about your journey before you ended up at LeapFrog. Yeah. So um, in college, I studied in Florence, Italy, and I did some fashion classes and, you know, history of fashion design and there's such a rich fashion culture there with Gucci starting there, Salvador Ferragamo, a lot of brands. Um, and and just going to school there kind of definitely piqued my interest for being in the fashion industry. But I also, I would say I always kind of had a quantitative mind. And so business was was kind of also a draw for me. So I think, you know, in college, I understood that I wanted to do something in business, but but in the fashion industry. So that is kind of, um, that was that, you know, impression or the imprint that I had from the time in Italy. Um, and I just did an internship the summer before my senior year in college at Gucci in their buying office. So it's interesting because Obviously, it's this great kind of heritage fashion brand that, you know, we all kind of know and recognize. And my job there was to run just sales reports all day. So I was on Excel and I was trying to understand, you know, did this handbag, what was the sell-through percentage with this colorway versus this colorway? And in all the directly operated stores in the U.S., was Boston selling, you know, tan and black better than the L.A. store? And why? And kind of what was resonating with these customers across the country differently? How was it all selling differently? And how could we allocate quantity and units to those stores differently? So it was a very analytical approach in a very kind of fashion space. So um, I loved that, but it's funny because I always was, I would always be obsessed with what the PR team was doing. (laughs) So in the meantime, you know, a different floor is PR who's lending clothes to VIPs and working with publications and having stylists come in. And that always just seemed to be this really kind of, you know, mystical, cool thing happening in the building that I didn't quite know much about. So I really, I kind of understood PR from that experience, but just on the, you know, periphery. And then I moved over to a small brand, um, then small, and now she's since grown um, a lot bigger, but Reem Akra. And Reem Akra is um, a bridal and evening wear designer. And we were literally working out of her atelier in Chelsea, which was also her, her apartment. So we were a small team who handled operations and trunk shows and VIP guests would come through and she would fit them. And it was all made to order in couture. And, you know, so I'm seeing all this play out in front of me. And my job really there was to um, work with her wholesale accounts. So I would visit with, you know, Saks and Emo Marcus and travel with a collection and train their staff on the collection and do trunk shows. Um But I also, because our team was so small, I got involved in PR things and some of these VIP guests that would come in to um, for fittings. And I remember one time Halle Berry wore a dress to the Golden Globes. And it was my, it was an aha moment for me because I saw how hugely affected sales were for the brand and visibility for the brand because of that. So it's funny when you look back and you think of these pivotal moments in your career that propelled you onto the next thing or just made you aware that such a thing even exists in the first place. Um, I began to really understand PR as it relates to a small business and what 
earned media coverage can do and how that really can be. And meantime, she's doing a lot of print advertising. She is investing a lot of money in in that and and photo shoots and campaign photography, um, which is also very important. But I did see just kind of how immediately that one thing affected her business. Um, So I moved back to Charleston and ironically, I got this great job at LeapFrog, which um, I was an employee. So I worked for an amazing woman who founded LeapFrog after her stint in New York and working in larger PR firms in New York and realizing she was born and raised in Charleston, that Charleston had all these great brands and people and businesses, but there was nobody who was representing them on a, a, a national media kind of landscape or in the national media landscape. But they were all, you know, these these great kind of people that started to, you know, they were attracted to Charleston because there was a great lifestyle there and it's a beautiful town. And um, but there was there was not a firm there that was really um, representing those those people and those brands. So I started working with her and 13 years ago, it was a summer that I was actually getting married. She said, I'm, I'm out. I'm having my third child. This PR thing is exhausting. Do you want to buy the company? And so my now business partner and I did, and we just said, you know what? We love what we do. We love the clients that we have. And we want to kind of imprint, you know, with our own um, experiences. Hers was in food, PR and hospitality, PR in New York and mine, obviously in fashion. And we, we want to kind of see where this goes. And it was a risk, um, but, but we, you know, we just jumped off and did that. And so um, that was 13 years ago. And LeapFrog has evolved a lot since then. The industry's evolved. We've evolved as individuals. Our, you know, team has evolved. Our client roster has evolved. Um, our skill sets have evolved, obviously. And um, that was kind of the genesis, though, of my, you know, ownership um, in LeapFrog. Wow, that's fascinating. There's so many things that I want to pick at in there. Um, One is what a great marriage of backgrounds between like the food and the hospitality industry and then the fashion industry. I mean, Mm -hmm. like having partners with significant experience in both worlds, especially for Charleston, like you said, there are brands, I think, in all of these spaces that can be elevated and and reached at the national scale. So that's just a lovely marriage. Yeah. Um, The other thing you mentioned that stuck with me is earned media and how Mm -hmm. you saw that one moment with Halle Berry, who's of course a celebrity uh, wearing something. And then that earned media that happens when a celebrity wears your product or talks about your product or whatnot. It's very, I feel like the, the 2000, 20, 2021 version of that is influencers Certainly, capturing yeah. earned media. And mm-hmm. th- the lines, I think, are going to continue becoming even more blurred in the future between traditional celebrities and influencers. Right. Um, so I'm really curious if you have seen that in your work at LeapFrog, where influencer, influencers are used to, to be a very strong mouthpiece and spokesperson and um, and provide lift for the brand, whether that's intentional or you happen to get a product in influencer's hands and that person just talked about it without being prompted and it drove results. Uh, all the time, every single day. And I will say, you know, in the past uh, three years, if I had to kind of 
put a, a mark on when this all started. I I think a lot of people do ask me because I think the traditional route and a lot of bigger PR firms, and I think a lot of, of firms in bigger markets, have an area of expertise in PR and then influencer marketing is kind of a separate agency that you would um, that you would hire. And we just saw this natural progression happening where influencers were, obviously, we, I was watching and listening to and my buying decisions were affected by influencers that I was following personally. So it kind of became obvious at that point that influencer relations as a strategy has to be as important as media relations as a strategy for our clients because buying decisions are happening there uh, just as much as they are in print and digital media. So it became, I think, just very ingrained in the way that we approached, um, you know, campaigns and and client work um, and just overall, you know, marketing campaigns on behalf of our clients that influencer relations really is is very core to what we do. And it's incredible the value, you know, what they what they can do in terms of brand awareness and visibility, or as you said, just reinforcing associations, um, the content they produce. I mean, it's expensive to do photo shoots. And, you know, a lot of our clients certainly do do photo shoots for themselves and, and seasonal campaign photography. But how amazing is it to have influencers who can show it through their own lens and and have a really unique and individual approach to styling something and photographing it. Um, and that's really invaluable to a brand too. Definitely. So something that I've seen this year is a lot of brands coming to us, not just to partner with influencers on like a one-time campaign activation, but also depending on the influencer and their content creation style, um, asking for... Uh, rights for for usage for yes. whitelisting, just yeah. a, a whole host of things, rather than that one time one off. Right. And I do think that the cost of production, when it comes to outsourcing, you know, models and space and materials and all that for a photo shoot. I mean, when you compare that to right. an influencer and what they bring to the table, mm-hmm. I, I gotta imagine that's a pretty competitive mm-hmm. analysis, you know, to. Right. to Choose between cost benefit right. analysis kind of thing. Right, right. So you mentioned that there is a difference between a PR agency and kind of an influencer marketing agency. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen that. So um, we, we own, Gush and Grow is a talent management company. Mm-hmm. So is this, I'm going to put out, throw out a scenario for you. Okay. This is where you and I would interact, where if LeapFrog had a brand, a client, a brand who wanted to partner with influencers, and maybe LeapFrog reached out to Gush and Grow and said, hey, we're, you know, it looks like you represent this talent, which who would be perfect for our brand campaign that we're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Could we work together to do X, Y, and Z. That's how the PR firm and kind of the influencer marketing agency would come together and work together. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Okay, perfect. All right, so we just need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know. So um, tell me more about the brands you work with. Can you share some specifics about, because PR firms can do a whole lot of support, different kinds of support. So in what ways have you supported uh, particular brands? Um, so we do not have, I mean, we are so nimble and our firm is small. Um, and we approach every 
new relationships so differently. So we don't really have a plug and play approach at all. We really kind of look at what the brand, where their pain points are and where um, their kind of internal strengths are and where they really need support. There are some brands that we work with that have, you know, in-house marketing and, and we're kind of an extension of that, but we kind of fill in some gaps. And there are some brands that are just the brand founder and maybe they have some kind of consultants like us who they farm out some work to. Um, so it really depends on the brand. And a lot of brands we've worked with um, for, you know, Buru is a, a good example of this. And Morgan, the founder, is in town right now. So she's top of mind to me. Um, we've worked with her for eight years. And she really came to us with this idea for her for her business, which has since evolved you know, throughout the years in a big way. Now she kind of does in-house manufacturing in LA, has a micro factory um, and has her own line and label. And she started out as a, just an e-commerce retailer selling other brands that she curated. Um, So, you know, but it's, but it's really she and her husband um, and, and they now have grown their team a lot, but we have, helped her from, um, we would do an event in New York every year called the Buru Brunch, where we would bring oh. in editors and influencers and people to just interact with Morgan. It was a way that we could take the conversation offline and to bring it to New York, a place where all these people lived, or it was during fashion week always. So we knew there would be plenty of people in town if they didn't live in New York. Um, but we really wanted there to be an event to connect to the brand and to showcase kind of what the brand was all about and, and have people connect with Morgan. Um, So I think, you know, on a really macro level, what we do is helping brands identify their, their message and really hone that message and say, okay, what really makes your brand unique? What really would make somebody care about your brand in the first place? Do simple things also that people don't think about, like, do the brand founders want to be the mouthpiece for the brand or mm. would they prefer to stay behind the scenes? Um, how, how comfortable are you with some of those conversations and how transparent do you want to be about your business? Are we pursuing business stories or is it really just product-based and what we call market stories? Okay. Um, so we really kind of first dig in and, and understand and, and also help develop messaging um, and, and pick apart the things that we see as being key differentiating factors for that brand. Because ultimately we're, communica- we're communicators. Um, that is at, at the core of what we do. We communicate to media, we communicate to influencers, we communicate to your customers, and we facilitate those conversations and make sure that we're communicating the right message to the right person at the right time. <laughs> So, so that's kind of, you know, w- w- what we do in the beginning, always, always when we start working with a client. So it's like, you can't do anything. You can't go out there and be the conduit for sharing information when you don't understand what's the important information to share. Um, also, when it comes to assets and photography, we really help a brand navigate. What do you need? Mm. You know, what, what the flat photography obviously is critically important. We call it lifestyle photography to really tell the story. Um, do we need to help facilitate that? We do do that also for some clients where we kind of act as a creative director of sorts and really help 
to identify the location and the models and the mood board and spending time styling on on set during that during the day to make sure that we're really putting the brand in kind of in the moment and in the right context mm-hmm. um, so that it it comes alive in the way that we want to communicate. You know, it's consistent with the messaging um, of who, who the brand is and who the what it stands for. So I think, you know, sometimes brands really do need help also coming up with what, what does lifestyle photography look like? You know, I mean, we, a lot of them just need help with that creative um, aspect. I can definitely see that. I can, and, and something that you said that I really loved is the word nimble and how you are so nimble as a PR firm, which I think is really important and allows you to not be a one size fits all, but dive in, like you said, to each unique brand's pain points. Mm-hmm. Because if you approach it from a one size fits all, you could totally miss the mark in terms yeah. of PR efforts. Mm-hmm. But I love this very strategic approach that you have. Um, even down to asking if the founder wants to be involved, like a, a mouthpiece or, you know, at, at the right. forefront of of the campaign. I'm curious on that note, have you ever been in a situation where one of your clients was either on board or not on board being the face of their brand and you swayed them the other way? You know, we're pretty careful about making sure that we tap into everything that's authentic and feels organic to the brand and to the brand founders. So we really, I think, pride ourselves in the beginning of digging into that and and having them tap into what feels genuinely comfortable to them. Mm -hmm. And I don't try to sway. I I really, you know, I'm like, listen, I can make whatever work, but, Uh but the most important thing to me is that it is comfortable for you. Because if I try to push you into a situation that doesn't feel comfortable, it's not, it's not going to work. So I would rather you just say to me, I, I just, that's off limits or this is off limits and you're just going to have to find a different angle or work with something different because it just doesn't feel right. Um, I feel like that's, that's the best thing that I can do to really help, you know, try to navigate that for a client. That seems like a really wise approach. We have something so exciting to share with you. Gush and Grow, who are partners of Trove, are coming out with a course, a course for influencers and content creators, all about how to land paid brand collaborations and partnerships, how to land those with authenticity, with integrity, with confidence, and do it effectively. The thing that lights us up the most at Gush and Grow is helping our clients' dreams come true as solopreneurs. And oftentimes that includes partnering with their dream brands. So we've turned our most popular workshop into a course, making it widely available so that you can land your ideal paid brand collabs and partnerships. It is the most comprehensive course we've created for the best value. And if this is of interest to you, highly, highly encourage you to go to gushandgrow.com slash courses to get on the list. So when brands come to you, it sounds like some know what they're looking for and some mm-hmm. don't and, and need mm-hmm. more handholding and creative direction and strategy and PR um, than others. Do, do they come to you even maybe the more seasoned ones with specific like ROAs or KPIs in mind, or do Mm -hmm. you help set those as well? 
both things happen. I think it's interesting, you know, sometimes brands will come and say, oh, I really want to feature in Garden Gun. And it just makes me think, you know, and in that instance, it's like, have you ever read the magazine or have you read it start to finish? Because your brand's not relevant for Garden and Gun. I mean, it's not that kind of, or they would say, you know, I, I think a lot of brands think that they want something that I, we try to help them navigate towards some of, as you said, the KPIs that might be more in line with what they actually want. So I think, yes, we love having a dream media list and we love an understanding of where you'd like to see your brand or how you want to see your brand perceived. But then we we try to help them to navigate here are the best places that will do that for you, um, knowing, you know, the demographics behind these media outlets and and also the the content calendars behind them and and the type of photography or the type of storytelling you know each media outlet is is incredibly unique so um they might think that they have something in mind as a win and we think you know think about this because here's why we think this would be a better fit for for your brand so definitely see that as our job to help navigate um navigate that and educate for sure Yeah. Um, and it is a constant communication. You know, it is, I would say the best, the best relationships. And I do liken this whole kind of our role, um, with the clients that we work with. It is a, it's a relationship very much. So it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of communicating. It's a lot of trust. Um, and, and nothing really works well unless you have those things. So, um, you know, I think that it's it's obviously up to us in a lot of ways to guide what that looks like too, because for the most part, I mean, we we are probably the first PR firm our brands, you know, have worked with because we do work with relatively young brands um, and startups. It's not really, we don't work with bigger companies and corporations. So how do they, do they find you or do you find them? How does that work? So we've never sought out or reached out to, to anybody. Everybody is really, it's all been word of mouth um, where it's been organic, really word of mouth or, um, you know, just they've they've followed our work or seen the other brands that we've worked with. So we're really lucky in that sense um, and are very prideful about our, our, you know, our reputation and, our work ethic and our, you know, our way of communicating. And um, even when things don't work out the way, you know, it doesn't always work out perfectly with a client. But um, I think we're, we're very careful to be, to be honest and to be over communicative and to be realistic and um, to set realistic goals. And, and as you said, KPIs, which are key performance indicators. And back to the influencer marketing, I, I, what we do, I would say when I tell any kind of new client, I would say like 30% of what we do is media relations, 30% of what we do is influencer relations. And the remainder kind of is this hybrid of strategic partnerships and brand alliances or special events or event involvement where there is event that we think that brand needs to be involved with or maybe to host an event at a strategic partner or retailer. So um, it's kind of all of those things that we that we do and all of those things have a different timeline. So we want to always make sure that we are doing something in the near term, in the midterm, in the long term, 
And that we always have all these different kind of multi-layered things happening. Um, because I really feel like to build a sustainable brand, it is it takes time. The other thing is we really don't work with anyone unless they can invest a year with us because all of these things do take time to develop. Mm. And, um, and relationships drive everything that we do. Relationships with our clients, relationships with media, relationships with influencers. I mean, we are only as good as the real and genuine relationships that we can develop in this industry and um, with other brand founders even. And it's just, that really drives everything that we do. So this made me think as you were talking, and it's kind of a side note, the Marisha brand recently launched, I believe, like an athletic wear, a new kind of line. Were you behind that Charleston-based event where I saw a lot of the influencers posting and going, I think it was an active active wear and tennis Mm -hmm. event. And there was uh, Red Clay Hot Sauce, I think. Uh Was that your firm behind that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well done because I saw that about a thousand times over the course of the couple days. So um, that's great. That's That's great. great. And I can see the mix of all of what you're talking about, all the different Mm -hmm. parts of what you're talking about and how it's not just something you plan in a weekend or a week or even a month, but a lot goes into building up and it takes time. Like you said, it takes time. Mm -hmm. So... Now, what what then, if someone, you kind of already answered this question. My question was going to be, for a brand starting out, what would they need in order to work with, work with a firm like yours? How do they know when they're ready to hire a firm like yours beyond the ability to invest in maybe a year working together? Mm-hmm. I would say you have to be realistic about time and and time and skill set and what comes naturally to you. So if you have the time to invest, you know, on average four hours a day to PR and media relations and influencer relations and, you know, messaging and um, research, most people don't. So that's kind of, you know, a big, a big thing to just acknowledge that, you know, maybe there is somebody who can do this for me because I simply don't have the time, nor do I have the skill set to do it. And I don't have the interest in taking that on. Um, and when I say by skill set, I think you have to be such, a, there are some people who are natural advocates for themselves and who are natural connectors and who are natural just networkers and and will attend all and every event and have no problem reaching out to people and making new friends and connecting Um but if that is not your skill set, you probably don't need to be doing PR for yourself. You probably do need somebody who can do that for you because they will do a much better job. And presumably they have those relationships already. They know how to connect the dots. They know exactly the type of information that they need to share with whom and and when to make it relevant for that media outlet um, or for an influencer. And I mean, again, I mean, back to the relationship thing. I mean, we are, and the Marisha event was a great example. I mean, those women are genuinely our our friends. And, you know, there are people that we enjoy being around and have real relationships with. And so it doesn't feel like a big ask when you invite them to come to something because Mm. we genuinely have a great time together and we care. Um, And, you know, I think that, 
to be in this industry and to do well in this industry, you have to recognize that it takes a certain type of person who cares about people and cares about relationships and and loves connecting with people and 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 there's a lot of um it's not a lot of transactional you know what can you do for me what can i do for you i mean there is some of that but i think a lot of it really is i reach out to somebody because i think this product was genuinely interesting to you because it's what you write about because it would fit in with your own lifestyle genuinely because i think you'd like it and i in order to do that i have to pay attention to you and I have to know you um, to make that recommendation for you. So if you're not, if you don't genuinely care and do that work on the front end, you're not going to be any good at PR for yourself or for other people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really great point. Another thing that came to mind as you were talking is not only are, are relationships really important, but going back to media outlets and really understanding what the media outlet, publication, whatever it is, what what that's about. And I imagine that you have to be pretty in the know with different types of publications and media to know whether or not it's going to be a good fit for your clients. Mm-hmm. Are you, I just envision your weekends with uh, like a stack, like knee high of magazines and all yep. the things. How do you stay abreast of kind of the landscape and where where the best places are to, to plug folks in? So one little insider tip, News Plus on Apple, which is a little app that we all have on our phones and on our computer, but you can pay for a kind of an upgraded version of News Plus and that gives to you access of all, almost every magazine, every major magazine and um, back issues of that magazine. And then in the feed of that actual magazine, you'll see digital stories. Um, so there are certainly many, many weekends where I sit on my laptop and I pull up News Plus and I look at, you know, right now we're we're looking for print publications at November and December issues for holiday gift guides. So the other day I just sat there and looked at last year's November and December issues and you know, all of the publications that I might be pitching to just kind of understand what were the themes? Uh-huh. What was their common thread in terms of price point? Was the conversation around gifts that give back or a color story? Or who was that market editor or editor who pulled together those products for the gift guide? Um, and so that that is a great tool for anybody just for fun because it gives you access to all of the publications Anyway, but if you're certainly in my position and you really need to know a, a, an editor's name on the masthead or an issue from from last year um, because you're pitching a certain kind of theme or seasonal theme, like a holiday gift guide, um, or if you just want to look at the most recent issue to understand, you know, there are different features, obviously, in every magazine. And so you can kind of see sometimes that changes and sometimes the section might be called the start and now it's called something else. And so you, when you're pitching an editor, you have to know what are you pitching them, obviously, but for what section? You can't just say, I'd love for you to consider, you know, this product. It's, it's much, you're going to have a much better chance of being included if you say, I think that this product would be relevant for this issue in this, in this column that you edit um, and and kind of here's why. So you absolutely have to know and do your homework and understand if what you're pitching is even relevant. And, and obviously make sure you're pitching it to the right person because there are lots of editors at every magazine and they all have different beats. 
Yeah. You're just shedding light into the research that you talked about, the research that people would have to do if they right. wanted to take on PR themselves. And right. you're getting really deep into that, which I think is is good because people can't just say, oh, I want, I want to be in Real Simple magazine or I want to be in right. such and such mm-hmm. and just craft an email. Right. Who knows if if it's, I think the more um, specific, which is what you're pointing to, a pitch can be, like you said, the more likely it's going to end in the right hands. It's right. going to require a, an easier yes on the other side um, mm-hmm. and that people are going to get excited about. Right. Yeah. And I will say the next thing an editor will do if they like it, they'll say, can you give me a folder of flat photography? And if you don't have that at your fingertips to share immediately, you will be passed by very quickly. Um, and the editor will not use you as a resource because that's frustrating to then want something and not be able to get it. So again, it's having all those tools in anticipation of them wanting to feature it and understanding what is the launch date? What is the retail price? When will it be available on the website? Do we have flat photography that's high res on a white background? And, you know, if we don't have any of those things in place, then it's you can't pitch it in the first place. So 13 years at LeapFrog, still yeah. going strong. Yes. <laughs> still working with, they may be young brands, but they're certainly successful brands. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So that's, that's amazing. Kudos to you and your team. Thank you. Um, what kind of... Uh, advice, maybe, maybe from a PR perspective, maybe not. We're just going to open this up. Okay. What kind of advice would you give to uh, someone who is starting out with their product-based business and not quite sure? Maybe they're bootstrapping it. You know, they're they're still working on all the things to get them set up for success. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you have any advice to them? Because you have a background in number crunching and business and products in the fashion space and now mm-hmm. PR. So if they if they could focus their efforts on just a handful of things in the beginning, mm-hmm. do you have some advice on on what you would recommend to them? Yes. Um, I love helping and mentoring young brands. So I do kind of have a, a few suggestions in the beginning that are just basic things that you need to make sure that you have a very strong identity of who you are and who you are not. And I think making sure you have a list of words that you want associated with your brand and words that you do not. You know, if it's modern and clean and elegant or do you prefer, you know, sweet and feminine? And I I just feel like words are so powerful. And so when you begin to kind of really kind of bring together some words that resonate with you and, and ones that you, that don't, that's almost more important. The words that you really do not want use when, when people are describing and talking about your brand. I think it seems like a very basic thing, but I think people skip over this step so often because maybe it seems so obvious, but they just don't have a really good full understanding of how to describe their brand in a succinct way um, and how they w- want people talking about their brand and and the words that they'd like for for customers and for editors and influencers and fellow brand founders to be using and then with that, what is the photography that they want to produce that will tell that story? So the photography that really brings to life the brand, but also in the context that they 
feel like is most representative of who they, how they want their brand to be seen and perceived. We know that you know, visual is so incredibly important and with social media and, you know, your Instagram page obviously is, is your calling card. So what do you want people to see when they land there? And then how, you know, the tone of voice also that you use when you talk about your brand, are you funny? Are you witty? Are you more serious? Are you, um, you know, do you want it to appeal to men and women? Um, to what age group? I mean, you really do have to drill down on who is your target demographic and making sure that you're doing all the right things to appeal to that group um, that feels, again, <clears throat> organic and genuine and right for you because it's really hard to kind of put on that face on social media and expect for people to believe in you. I think that people are smart and savvy and they know when they see something that doesn't quite feel feel right. So I would say, you know, working on really honing in on that kind of messaging around your brand and and spending some time to get that photography and and getting a team that can produce that photography for you if it's not you know, a, a great photographer, obviously, if you're not the one who's doing the creative direction, asking friends who have that skill set, but but photography obviously is incredibly important. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with also the influencers that you follow personally. I mean, presumably, I think this is something that we don't talk about it much, but we don't really take on brands. We don't work with brands who we're not personally passionate about, and we we wouldn't be the target consumer. So I think it really helps us to do a better job when we are we are the demographic that these brands are appealing to. So we we understand um, we understand the conversation. We're in the conversation, right. and we know you know we have some knowledge genuinely about what's appealing. And, and I think it just makes you obviously more invested, genuinely invested if you are personally passionate about the clients that you represent. Absolutely. And I can speak to that firsthand too. At Gush and Grow, we don't represent any talent, any influencers that we personally didn't start following for personal reasons to begin mm-hmm. with. Right. Um, because we believed in what they were doing aside from that kind of professional relationship. We just wanted to work with the people that we loved and enjoyed, enjoyed following. So right. I, I think it's great that you do that as well. All right. Before we let you go, I'd love to do some rapid fire questions, which you may or may not have known were coming up. <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite food or meal? Food, pizza, and buttery Chardonnay. <laughs> what what kind of pizza are we talking oh, about? Oh, just any pizza. Just I've any never pizza. met a pizza I've ever, <laughs> you know, said no to. Any pizza. That's very in keeping with your time in Florence, I would say. Oh, yeah, exactly. Then my love of pizza developed. There you go. Favorite smell? Gardenia. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great yeah. one. Most used app on your phone? Instagram. Sadly, yep. <laughs> last Google search. Oh, last Google search. How to, um, this is really embarrassing, but I just downloaded the new Outlook for Mac and I cannot figure out how to auto-populate my email addresses anymore. So I have to manually type every single email address and it doesn't pop up the people that you frequently email. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It just, I literally have to type in every letter and it, it doesn't... doesn't 
It doesn't recognize. It does not. And it's honestly one of the most infuriating things ever. So I have Googled it this morning and I'm still working on how to resolve this. Okay, (sighs) good luck to you. Thank you. Um, What are you most excited about in this industry or your future at LeapFrog or whatnot? Events, events coming back. I mean, the Marisha event you you mentioned was the first event that I've planned in uh, a year. And it was so reinvigorating to to actually bring something to life and to bring people together and to actually tell a story in in person just through an experience, not through pitching, not through writing, not through email, not through, but literally through personal interactions. And I'm just excited to do more events. I'm sure you are not alone in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Okay, lastly, one accomplishment you're proud of from the last two months? Last two months, um, I would say that, I mean, I I don't want to kind of beat the dead horse, but I feel like doing an event again after everybody was so reluctant to come and to do things and to interact with each other, and just the the default is just to stay home. So I just was very unsure of how how an event was even going to be received by people or whether they would feel comfortable to actually come out in person and support something felt risky. So I think that just knowing that 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 people are receptive to doing things together again gives me a lot of hope that you know, that we are on the right track. But I, but I think the, the collection, that sport collection sold out in 24 hours. So that was a huge, obviously that was huge also for the business. So it wasn't just fun and it wasn't just engaging with awesome women. It was a real coup for her business, which made it even more gratifying. A success, a true success, all angles. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, I loved it. That went by too fast. Thank you for joining. (laughs) We'll have to set up a part two. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure having Jackie on the podcast. She's lovely and has incredible experience and insights that I'm so glad she was able to share with you today. There were so many takeaways from our conversation for me, but top of mind are these three. One, that influencer relations as a strategy has to be just as important as media relations as a strategy. The second thing is the value that influencers can bring to a branded photo shoot, how their unique and individual approach to storytelling and styling can be absolutely invaluable to a brand. And the third thing, I I really just enjoyed hearing Jackie talk about LeapFrog's approach to PR and hearing more about the partnerships they have with their clients and how they emphasize listening and communication and trust and how she mentioned that nothing really works unless you have those things. And I believe that's true for a lot of different roles in this influencer brand building space and landscape. So It was just an enormous amount of knowledge and insights. Thank you so much to Jackie. And also thank you to Pete Crimian, the team over at the Sound Lounge, who always make us sound better than we are. 
We hope you like what you heard. If you did, I challenge you to drop us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It takes less than 30 seconds and we would really, like really, really appreciate it. Okay, we'll see you next time on Influencer Business.